Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. I'm Savannah Roundtree, one of the hosts of the podcast and the law clerk here at SATC Law. And joining me today, we have Kate Lerman, the founder of Chicago Vintage Weddings. Kate, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, I met Kate at a friend of mine's wedding, and so I've seen her work firsthand, and I know that she um, runs a really tight ship, and so (laughs) I am really excited to get into how you got into the wedding planning business. Um, I saw that you went to the University of Illinois in Chicago. I did. And so can I assume that you're a Chicago native? I am. I never say I'm from Chicago, though, because people who grew up in the city will get upset with me. I'm from LaGrange, so west suburb. (laughs) All right. Um, And so then I also saw that while you were at UIC, you studied biological sciences as well as gender and women's studies. Is that correct? Yes. Not very wedding-y. Yeah. So (laughs) what made you decide to, like, study those two things? So I actually wanted to get into um, animal welfare and conservation ecology. I was planning to go to school to be a vet. I applied. I got into school. Um, I also was told to reapply at my top choice Mm -hmm. and decided to wait for a year, see how things went, really run the business as a hobby, which Mm -hmm. was really naive on my end. (laughs) But when I decided not to go forward with vet school because I didn't want the debt and didn't want to move and also just was concerned about if I would actually enjoy practicing once I had gotten in in the field experience, I decided to stick with this and ended up really loving it. Okay, yeah. I um, went to school and I have several degrees in religious studies, and so I'm just always interested to see how people have, like, all these different college degrees that they're not, like, (laughs) necessarily using in their daily life. So I just think that's really interesting. So while you were in college, you were doing event planning as well. Just a little bit. It was that last year, and I definitely bit off more than I could chew, should not have taken as many courses as I did, (laughs) and tried to do any other number of things, but made it work, made it through, and uh, yeah, then continued with the wedding planning as I was figuring out what to do career-wise and deciding whether or not I should commit to this full-time. So how did you initially get into wedding planning, event planning? I never originally really cared about weddings when I was growing up. (laughs) I didn't find them all that interesting. I never got into the Disney princess dream wedding mentality, (laughs) but I really liked weddings as an outlet for creativity and Mm -hmm. for bringing people together, and I also always did have a hospitality background just because that's how I put myself through school. Uh, I was always working in catering and restaurants and Mm -hmm. some level of customer service with whatever I was doing, so when I realized that weddings were a way that you could be able to be creative and work with people and earn a living doing that, I got a lot more interested. Okay, so more sort of just like fell into it rather than like set out with like exactly grand like ideas yes. of wedding planning or anything. Uh, do you remember the first wedding you ever planned? I, let's see, I do, I do. It was, let's see, in 2013. And it was a coordination event, so I only started it about a month ahead of time, which was good. I had worked on weddings prior to that, but I was never the lead. So Mm -hmm. when I took on my first event as a lead, I initially only took on um, smaller events. So I wasn't the full planner at first. I wanted to test the waters, make sure 
I understood what to do and essentially wouldn't drop the ball on anybody. So I took on uh, several coordination events that year and had already been talking with other planners, working with other planners, and the company had been doing rentals, but I definitely wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing before I took on bigger ones. Right, so that's what I was going to ask is... You worked with other wedding, like wedding planners before you started taking on your own mm-hmm. clients. Yeah, that sounds like um, not something you would want to just like jump into without any yes. prior experience. Yes, and it's something that happens. I, I see that a lot where someone has planned one wedding or been involved in a friend's wedding and now thinks, great, I'm a wedding planner. And sometimes that does work, but mm-hmm. it takes a huge learning curve and there's a lot of risk. And most of the time I would say that's a huge challenge because making the leap from doing something socially or casually to professionally and on a larger scale and then and when your relationship to the clients is I'm a professional here to do a job for you not I'm a friend doing you a favor right it becomes very different and a lot more challenging Mm -hmm. yeah so um currently your business you do uh rentals of like all kinds of things as your website is so fun to look through it's just like beautiful pictures of like uh vintage table settings and furniture and stuff so you do all those rentals you do the uh, range of different like event coordination services and you have a venue as well um but when you started out were you just doing the wedding planning no, I initially, I knew I was interested in planning, but didn't want to start taking on planning clients right away until okay. I had gotten a little more seasoned in the mm-hmm. Chicago industry as a business owner. Sure. So the first thing I started doing was the rentals. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. So the rentals just happen naturally because it's so easy to build up a collection if you love thrift store shopping and sure. you love design. So mm-hmm. I started doing that and finding people who wanted vintage plates or vintage couches and working out of storage, just working from mm-hmm. home as an office, and then everything that I had in the inventory was in a storage unit. So from there, about maybe a year or so in, we got a storefront, and it was a really small storefront, couldn't hold any big furniture mm-hmm. or anything like that, but definitely better to have a meeting place for clients and a place to show them our smaller rentals. And then I still kept a storage unit, and we just grew from that. Yeah, okay, so you just start by, like, thinking, did you have the Chicago Vintage theme in mind already, or...? I did. That was from day one because it's good for SEO, so people Mm -hmm. could find us easily. Um, I think in some ways it's been really helpful because it helps to brand us and helps people understand our aesthetic for the rentals. Mm -hmm. But in other ways, I definitely think that we're due for a rebrand just because I don't necessarily do themed events and I can do modern events. Mm -hmm. And from a planning perspective, we're not necessarily vintage focused unless that's what the client wants. Yeah. So you start by just like going to thrift stores and flea markets, I guess, and (laughs) collecting people's old plates and renting them to people who like have a similar aesthetic. Or did you have like um, initial clients who were looking for specific things that you found first? It was a lot of thrifting. I wasn't really looking for specific pieces. Mm -hmm. I just went around thrifting, found what I could with it being 2012 when I was starting to build the collection. Mm -hmm. I didn't have as much competition as I have now to find good things because Pinterest wasn't quite where it is. Instagram wasn't (laughs) quite where it is. Uh, the trend was starting to take off, Mm -hmm. but we got in at a good time and that, I didn't have a lot of other people trying to do what I was doing, and I didn't have 
a lot of people buying out these collections in thrift stores. So I could get the good deals and (laughs) actually find good availability. Yeah. Have you seen an increase of um, like these items in availability after uh, Marie Kondo's Netflix series came out? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know that I have. I know people said that they saw that in thrift stores. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't seen a ton of that, but I know that it definitely did happen. Yeah. So usually the ones I'm looking for tend to be from estates. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily getting people's old crate and barrel pieces or, right. you know, the things yeah. that they've had in their home. It tends to be when an estate's getting cleared out, I'm getting a lot of stuff that's 50 years old. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I know people were, like, getting rid of, like, a lot of clothing, so I didn't know if that translated to, like, also... Because I know there's all these articles about millennials are now getting rid of, like, their parents' like plates and stuff that they don't want. But. It's The China thing is really interesting because... I get people constantly reaching out trying to sell me things, and I usually don't just because I feel that it would be disrespectful to offer to pay for a family heirloom what I would pay at a thrift store, and usually people are looking for much more. So at a thrift store, you can get a complete china set for $40, $50, and when people reach out to me, they are looking to sell china sets or silver sets for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, which is not something that works for me because by the nature of our business things break all the time and we don't (laughs) need matching sets and it's just not the same kind of market Mm -hmm. yeah that is something I was gonna ask about how like do you just have to work in that all these things are gonna get broken (laughs) like a portion of them are gonna get broken when you're renting plates and things out to people we do and if it's a small amount of damage or breakage Mm -hmm. we don't even charge for it because it's just a hassle Mm -hmm. but if a ton of things get broken then we do need to Uh, we also just know that we can't get attached to anything (laughs) so we don't have our favorite plates or our favorite glasses because usually the delicate pretty things are the ones that go first probably for the best hopefully you never had like a straight out like my big fat greek wedding situation where they just start like throwing plates against the wall no we've had a few little disasters over the years we had the great plate disaster of 2016 and uh, we had let's see I had one time a caterer someone from a venue thought they were helping and I asked them please not to help me load dishes out and they did (laughs) and they just dumped out a box of all of our um, most highly prized plates which are our blue and white ones and they're (laughs) a little more challenging to find yeah so that was that was sad. Like devastating to watch like a bunch of your inventory just like sitting on the it's ground. It's sad, yes, and you know it's happening. And with things like that too, you always feel bad going to the client and saying, "Well, you didn't do this, and your caterer didn't do this, but the venue did this. So pay us for this damage." So yeah. I don't even remember if we actually did invoice the client for that, but it was a sad day. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine, especially because I've just, you know, been looking through all your pictures and the Instagrams and uh, you have a blog as well up on your website of it shows a lot of the weddings that you've done and they're just like so beautiful and I just can't imagine watching all those things get broken like right before your eyes. Oh, we just, we just factor it in. Yeah. Um, So speaking about your blog, I was looking through it and I saw that you had um, a couple of things on there that were really interesting to me. You gave some like green tips on how to have a wedding, but still sort of uh, care about the environment. And also I saw that you work with some different charities around Chicago. um, And one I saw in particular that you're working with some animal rescue places. And so I guess that ties back into your um, (laughs) plan of going into biology 
and veterinary school, but um, how do you sort of balance working with um, your like charitable goals, you know, wanting to run like a green business with people's wedding needs? So I try very much not to be pushy or preachy. Mm -hmm. I have things I care about, but that isn't necessarily what the clients care about, and that's fine. So Mm -hmm. if people indicate that they're interested in certain things, then I will bring them more options on how to keep things sustainable or how to give back. But I'm not going to lead with that and then make anybody feel guilty or judged if they (laughs) don't want to go that route. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly fine. And I'm working for my clients. So basically, I want whatever the clients want. So when people are interested in that, um, that's something that I can always kind of feel out when I'm Mm -hmm. first speaking with them and consulting with them on their budget, because I'll ask them, do you care about investing maybe in a recycling and composting service to pick up waste at the end of the night? Or for favors, if you don't know what you want to do, would you want to give to a charity? So I can get a feel for ways people might want to be involved Mm -hmm. and contribute and advise on that. But if they pass or they're not sure, that's the end of it and I won't push it. So a lot of people do come to us, actually, because they're interested in some of the things we support. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of animal rescue people, (laughs) and I can get kind of sidetracked talking with clients (laughs) about their pets or anything like that, especially dogs and weddings Mm -hmm. is my soft spot. I will get really, really distracted by dogs and weddings. Do you get a lot of people who have their dogs and their weddings? We do. We do. We just had one this past weekend, and it's the first time I've had a dog allowed to be in a ceremony in a Catholic church. People were approving and some people were not but it was adorable whenever I see people that have their dog like in the ceremony even if it's outdoors I just I can't imagine there's no way I could get my dog to be (laughs) she would just either want no part of it or she'd be trying to just like befriend literally every person I could never get her to walk down an aisle at all and that's how it goes sometimes we had a dog have a complete meltdown when her parents got married on Memorial Day weekend and it was great they knew that was coming they knew she was goofy she was a year old Mm -hmm. really high energy and she did okay and we had a walker there for her but as soon as everyone clapped because they were married she started howling and she just needed to get to her mom and yeah. dad. So well, I would hope that if you're the type of person who wants to have your dog in your ceremony, you're like more flexible. So you're going to be okay if your dog does like starts freaking out. Yes. Time. And again, I'm getting sidetracked talking about dogs and weddings. Totally fine. But the cutest one we had was this really, really sweet, very well-behaved dog who was just spending time with the wedding party for the whole wedding day. He was in the ceremony and he was perfect going down the aisle. He was just mm-hmm. a dream. He didn't make noise. He was obedient. He just walked and sat and was very calm and sweet. But at some point in the, the sermon, what the officiant was saying, uh, they mentioned the dog by name saying how much they love him. And mm-hmm. he just got right to attention and stood up and they had, they had let go of the leash because he was so right, good. And he just walked right on up because he heard himself called, <laughs> which was like, super it's cute. my turn now? Yeah. Um, So, assuming you were on your own for a little while, you said you started sort of as a hobby, so I'm assuming this is like a one-woman operation. Yes, no partners or co-owners. Right, but so now you have what looks like a good handful of staff, and so um, what was that like, just learning how to manage people, grow your business in that way? Uh, I think I was a pretty bad boss in the beginning when I realized I needed to have employees. I first hired part-timers. I never went right to hiring for full-time. And 
part-time was fine because, again, I was doing a lot of the work and we didn't have as many clients as we have now. So I, I experimented with different ways to format the role and kind of had to figure out how to hire people and figure mm-hmm. out who was the right fit. But I also think that I didn't really have an appreciation for the fact that people working for me would not be as invested in the company as I was because they weren't the owner. So Mm -hmm. I just had this approach that, well, I'm paying you and you're an employee, so of course you'll be available whenever I want. And of Mm -hmm. course, blah, 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 blah. And I had to understand, you know, that's, that's not how it is for a job that's giving you 10, 15 hours a week, paying $15 an hour. You're not going to be as invested in that. And of course you won't want to work late nights or do manual labor (laughs) or whatever it is you'll want some reliability and you'll you'll need to have a boss who understands that you have a life outside of work sure but I imagine that's also kind of hard to find like absolute reliability in the wedding industry because you know it is late nights and carrying things around I'm assuming you've sort of learned and adapted how to balance those sort of competing interests I hope so. I mean, I, I don't want to be a pushover either, but I think I've become much better at that and have a bit more of an understanding of and appreciation for what employees need from a manager, mm-hmm. and I really try to accommodate that. So just knowing kind of where to draw the line on certain things mm-hmm. and when to be flexible and when to be firm and just what management style to have is something I'm always learning and working yeah. on, and I hope it's getting there. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's not necessarily something that can be taught and that you do sort of have to learn with experience especially when you started your own business it's definitely not something that people are thinking about like when they're hiring their wedding coordinator they're not also thinking about you as a business owner like having to manage your own people along with that I noticed that you guys moved storefronts recently and that you did sort of like a whole renovation of the space that you got and so that is another thing that I assume you had no training in before you started. So what was that process like? Uh, It was really fun in a lot of ways and really nice to be able to see that project through. Thankfully, a lot of what I do already is design work and project management Mm -hmm. and dealing with different vendors. So from that perspective, it wasn't too challenging to just start to learn the language and the timelines for how things work with contractors and Mm -hmm. what needs to be done there. So I felt lucky that I had a little bit of a background. Yeah, just managing contractors instead of caterers. Exactly. So the timelines are different and the work styles are different. The communication is different, but ultimately it's kind of similar once you understand how to Mm -hmm. deal with people. So that part was good. Obviously it went over budget. When I was starting the company, I was kind of naive and thinking that I could just do certain things myself or Mm -hmm. kind of bit off more than I could chew. And I did the same thing when we were starting to renovate the building. I initially thought I could DIY some projects and I could do Mm -hmm. certain things a little bit on a smaller scale. And when I got in and realized the scope of what was needed, I just threw up my hands and hired professionals to do a lot of it. It's one thing to think you can like DIY like maybe your own apartment or whatever, but then to be working in like a commercial real estate capacity is totally different. And having a growing business where you're still working and doing other things, it's just... exactly. You can't, you know, not be planning weddings while you're renovating your space. You can't be covered in paint when you're going into a client meeting. (laughs) You can't drop everything to manage a plumbing issue. So I did end up just hiring people and having people do all of that and it was definitely helpful. So, you know, wedding planning is the bulk of your business. Um, I think you plan other events as well. But um, so you're with people for 
some amount of time leading up to like what some people consider to be the most important day of their life so do you ever run into like frustration that I'm sure a lot of people feel or just like the tension that they're feeling for that day with having to get your job done it really depends on the client you do have to tailor the approach Mm -hmm. just to their personalities and their communication style, their availability, and also a lot of the time the family dynamic Mm -hmm. because maybe someone in the couple has very different goals and very different communication style compared to a parent of theirs or just it always depends on what the dynamic is as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I, of course, do have certain boundaries that I set and make sure that I'm maintaining those, although sometimes I let them slide a little bit more when the wedding gets really close. Mm -hmm. And I like to warn people, too, about potential obstacles they're going to face. So just letting them know, hey, everyone is going to start to feel a bit stressed about two to three months out. That's when I usually see a bit of stress hitting, (laughs) no matter how prepared we are and how completely on a great track we are. That's when things start to go from planning mode and thinking of this wedding as being somewhat in the distance to oh wow it's happening things are becoming final right and (laughs) at this point you know the roller coaster is just really going full speed ahead yeah so I see that a little bit and then we usually get it completely under control and everything goes back to normal and then I'll usually see that as well when the RSVPs are coming in about a month out and Mm -hmm. People need to be thinking again about getting the tables assigned and getting all those final details done. And of course, it's something I guide them through, but if they're having trouble tracking down their RSVPs and they're just stressing out about the realities of the day, Mm -hmm. I can see it happening a little bit then as well. And um, after that, it's really smooth sailing. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what I typically see with the stress levels. Yeah, I would say you have it very well planned out so that it is smooth sailing. But so when people are hiring wedding planners, wedding coordinators, I think they're thinking, you know, they're going to hire you to coordinate vendors and talk to the venue and things like that. But it sounds like you also do a lot of, you know, managing of the people involved in the wedding as well. And so what is like one like one other major thing that you do that people just don't even think of when they're hiring a wedding coordinator? I think one of the things that's really important about working with a good planner who's mm-hmm. very experienced is just having that level of insider knowledge yeah. that people don't understand that they're getting such a great value for if they're working with someone who can really bring a lot to the table in terms of really good vendor relationships, making the right referrals, doing all of these things that can A, save money, but B, save a lot of stress and Mm -hmm. really get them a good service. So I think people don't see how much value there is just in having someone who really knows how to guide them through the process with Mm -hmm. booking the vendors and um, also really just executes like a champ on the day of. It's really important to have someone who cares and is available and is pleasant and firm and professional and able to really handle whatever the day throws at them Mm -hmm. because you don't want someone who might let things fall apart if there's an obstacle right yeah um what's the biggest like day of obstacle you've ever had to overcome? Ooh, I've got, uh, I have some doozies, but I also have some more common ones. Uh, A lot of the time I do, no matter how much I remind them, have clients forget to bring their marriage certificate, their marriage license rather, to the officiant. I usually tell them to bring it to the rehearsal, and if they forget, then 
the day of is our backup mm-hmm. plan, and sometimes they still forget it, no matter wow. how often I remind them. Uh, usually how I like to get ahead of things is I assign different tasks to multiple people in the wedding party. Sure. So, okay, you are responsible for remembering the rings, and you are responsible for the certificate, and just all these different things, making sure that I have a lot of people who can be watching out for certain details because of course I'm looking out for things my team is looking out for things but if we're pulled away for 10 20 30 minutes to deal with something else I want to make sure that I also have a backup plan in place for whatever needs to happen something else that we sort of started talking about um, when I was at Elisa's wedding was how much um, sort of contract review that you have to do Mm -hmm. and how um, you sort of sometimes have to end up doing some legal work for your clients as well Um, so is that something you find yourself doing a lot as well? It is. It's an interesting gray area because, of course, I'm not an attorney. I don't right. have a legal background. I do have family members who are attorneys mm-hmm. who, if I'm really in a pinch or have a question, I can sure. ask them. But typically, I am reviewing contracts just to make sure that everything is looking good for the clients. Mm-hmm. And my own contract says, of course, I'm not the one who is actually booking the vendors. You are responsible for the right. vendors. But I take it very personally to be sure that I'm getting them the right deals, the right contract Mm -hmm. terms, and the right people. So I am really looking through these contracts, making sure that I'm keeping an eye out for things that we typically see come up in the Chicago area that Mm -hmm. people might not be looking for. So I'm making sure that the terms about meals and parking and travel in general are really fleshed out. I'm making sure that we have contingency plans and fair language for what happens if somebody backs out, whether it's the client who cancels or the vendor who cancels, or maybe there's a change of venue or a change of date, who is covered and in what capacity. Mm -hmm. So I essentially just want to make sure that any question that could possibly come up is something that is handled. And for that reason, I love a long contract. (laughs) It takes longer to read, but the the short contracts are the ones that make me nervous because then I have to go through them and (laughs) ask for all sorts of revisions. And I'm still just a little nervous at that point when I only see one page. Yeah, I'm sure. It just sounds like with every wedding you do, you just have continual checklists that you're, um, you know, you know, this happened at this one wedding, let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Yes. Um, Is there any part of your job that has surprised you, like that you didn't realize would be a part of a wedding coordinator's job when you started? I think that you kind of have to go into it knowing that you are going to do a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So I haven't necessarily been surprised by what I do, but I think what I've learned is that I do need to set appropriate boundaries and be very clear about the service I provide. So Mm -hmm. I am not going to tell people when they're booking that I'm going to do everything for them because sometimes everything entails a whole lot that I can't really safely or professionally or knowledgeably handle. Mm -hmm. So for example, I am not going to be climbing a 20-foot ladder, nor am I going to have someone (laughs) on my team climb a 20-foot ladder to set all this decor and take five hours out of our time on a wedding day to do things like that and I am going to make sure that we have adequate event staff and that they know what their duties are and that I'm not suddenly thrown into trying to bust tables or something along those lines so yeah I feel like it can be really easy on either side you know you are helping people plan their wedding a really important event in their life and for them to get attached to you and think that you know you're going to do more or for you to like you know get attached and maybe you found someone you know, people you like to work with and 
so I imagine that setting up those boundaries is really important and can sometimes, you know, be difficult when you're dealing with such a, you know, high stress Mm -hmm. day for people. And it's definitely a slippery slope. So if I am planning on a two year or year and a half timeline, I am going to hold those boundaries much more firmly mm-hmm. than I will in those few weeks leading up to the wedding because the last thing I want to do is set a precedent that, yes, you can be texting me at 9 p.m. on a Saturday right. or 2 a.m. on a Saturday asking random questions about the bridesmaid gown color, and I will just get right back to you mm-hmm. because all of a sudden if I have X number of clients per year working with me through busy season too when I really need to focus on upcoming events, that becomes very unsustainable. And that means that I'm not really giving my best service to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I'm not necessarily focusing on the things that I need to be focusing on at any given time. Yeah. So when you said two years back, that just like really startled me (laughs) for how long, but I mean, it does take a long time for in some cases to plan a wedding. And so, um, just like quickly walk me through what different types of wedding planning coordinating services you offer. Sure. I offer full service planning, which is my personal favorite just because I get to have my hands on everything. Mm -hmm. I get to really get to know the clients and I get to be able to save them the most money, honestly. So I'm pretty much always paying for my fee at least one time over if Mm -hmm. I'm working for a client for full planning. And I'm only going to take six of those events every year. Same with partial planning. So with partial planning, I am working on a lot of things that I would do for full planning, but Mm -hmm. not every single vendor up until about a month and a half out. So with partial, I'm still going to go through and create a really comprehensive budget for them. I am going to be working on creating a customized planning timeline and advising them on a lot more things. And then I will be working on certain vendors from start to finish. So Mm -hmm. usually that's going to be about four vendor categories, say venue, catering, photography, and floral. Or I might have a more aesthetic type focus where Mm -hmm. I'm coming up with a design concept and working on all the design related vendors. Mm -hmm. And with partial planning, sometimes I will save them quite a bit of money or sometimes it's more just about having me help with things that they don't Uh want to deal with, whether it's they're completely lost with design or the logistics of lodging and transportation are just beyond them or they really want my help with big ticket things like catering and venue because Mm -hmm. they know that those influence so much else and they have a huge impact on the budget. Mm -hmm. So I can work on any number of things where we see that there's the best fit. And then there's coordination, which Mm -hmm. all of the services of coordination also are included in full and partial planning, of course, but that starts about five to six weeks before the big day. And it could be me or it could be somebody else working on it, depending on if I'm booked. Mm -hmm. And we'll just bring it all home, essentially. So we'll make sure we're working on all the vendors at that point. We understand their contracts. We're the main point of contact. We're doing a final walkthrough. We're facilitating the rehearsal, running the show on the wedding day, making sure we know all the little details and have advised on how we would suggest that we run or structure certain things. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot more that goes into it, but sure. it's a very long spiel. Yeah. So coordination is, I think, a good starting point that anybody should have, yeah. even a planner should have. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I've seen weddings that happen with coordination, your coordination, other coordination, and weddings that like just had family members in charge of that and it's just not the like stress you want to put under you know like a maid of honor or a mother of the bride or something like you want your family and friends to enjoy your wedding like you should in my opinion definitely pay somebody else to handle that stress so is about 
Would you say two years out is like the maximum people start planning their weddings? Some people plan them earlier. For me, I won't take anything more than two years out. I just, I think anything beyond that is not necessary for what I do. Mm -hmm. And there could be certain challenges just with people who are planning so far in advance, really shifting their priorities over time and wanting to change gears once we've already gotten really far in the planning process. Because when you start things that early, a lot can change in your yeah, own life. I can only imagine. I, I can't imagine planning anything two years from now, <laughs> but, you know, I am nowhere near getting married, so I can't really imagine planning much more than tomorrow. So Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I take it all on a case-by-case basis. So there are some clients I wouldn't even work with starting two years out because mm-hmm. I just think that they haven't really solidified what they want and what they mm-hmm. need, and I can see that there could be some red flags for okay. how the planning process might go. Mm-hmm. And there are others where I will start working with them two years out because they just really need to lock in a venue that they love, and that's a hard venue to get. And they maybe want to put some other things on the back burner. Or I've had clients that are moving away, and they're going to be gone for a year, so they want the venue, the photographer, and then they just want to wait on everything else. Mm -hmm. So for things like that, I'll, I'll do it. And then it makes sense. Right. Yeah. It sounds like you have a very interesting mix of, you know, obviously each client is individual. Everyone's wedding is going to be different, but then also, you know, you see these things that do occur at every wedding and things that you need to look out for all the time. You can get a good read on who's going to work with you well, who's going to be a good fit for your style, and who just has a lot of trust in my planning process and is going to be the kind of client that I work with best. Because, Mm Of course, you know, with a limited number of events each year, I am certainly not trying to get everybody to book or to get everyone to work with me. I want them to feel really comfortable with the process, confident about it, and confident that I'll do a good job because that makes the process easier for everyone rather than if I book somebody and they don't have a full understanding of what I do or the way everything works or what if they realize, oh, we don't even really like this planner this much we haven't met in person maybe and they're just Mm -hmm. not sure so I really want to make sure I'm getting people who want to work with me and are good fits for my style Mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense um and so you said that you like to do full event planning um to sort of get your hands in everything but is there one like particular thing about wedding planning that you like more than the other aspects Oh, I really love design. I really love design. And Mm -hmm. I always work alongside clients Mm -hmm. and make sure I have an understanding of what they like and what they care about. But I just, I love working on design, whether it's a huge budget or a modest budget. I think it's a lot of fun. I always feel the most accomplished after a full planning event, for Mm -hmm. sure. Just because I take so much more ownership of all the details from start to finish. But everything, I... I mean, it changes so much for every wedding. So for some weddings, I just feel so happy because I know that we maybe had a grandparent who was very close to someone and we weren't sure if they would make it to the wedding Mm -hmm. and they did and they're in the ceremony and that's the most special thing. Or maybe for one, I knew that the bride had some nerves and I just really wanted her to be happy on her wedding day and knowing that I got her to that point is the highlight And maybe for others, it's the photography or the decor or the music or the catering. So (laughs) there can be just so many things. Yeah, still sounds very uh, client-based. Yes. (laughs) Something I always ask our guests on the podcast is if someone was um, looking to get into the field that you're in, what is like one piece of advice that you would give them? 
definitely don't get into it because you think it's glamorous. <laughs> it can be fun going to tastings and going to industry events and having some champagne, but a lot of this work is just putting yourself last and making sure that you're putting the clients first and mm-hmm. managing different people and just really having no ego about a lot of mm-hmm. things so that you can do the best possible work for your clients and also make sure that you're pulling through for the vendors. Yeah, that's really great advice, I think. And so um, finally, where can people find you if they want to look up Chicago Vintage Weddings? Ah, they can go to chicagovintageweddings.com. <laughs> uh, they can follow our Instagram, shyvintagewed, C-H-I, vintage, V-I-N-T-A-G-E-W-E-D. Uh, we also have Pinterest. And you can find us on there. You can find us on Twitter, although that's mostly just retweets of our Instagram photos. <laughs> uh, you can also come out to some of our animal rescue events that we do. I would definitely suggest checking out the Instagram, even if you aren't looking to hire anyone or getting married anytime soon, because I'm certainly not, but I love looking at the Instagram <laughs> pictures. They're all just beautiful. Thank you. Um, so, Kate, thank you again. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you. Great being here. for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solution Center. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.